Good morning, church. What a beautiful, beautiful morning it has been this fourth Sunday of Advent. A beautiful morning of worship. Thank you to all of our musicians. It's been so touching. Choir, my goodness. You need to warn me when you're going to sing an anthem like that right before I have to get up and preach. If my eyes don't stop watering, you'll know why. It's, I'm not crying, you're crying. That was beautiful, really beautiful. Thank you. Well, this Advent, we've been exploring in depth what it means that Jesus, the Savior, was born for us. I mean, just what does it mean that a Savior is born for us? We know that before Jesus came, we were all lost in darkness and held captive by sin. And yet God had a plan called Christmas. And as Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 says, But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman. God sent Jesus so that through his life, death, and resurrection, and our faith in him, that we might be saved. Now, lots of people's understanding of salvation or being saved means getting a ticket to heaven for oneself. But we have been learning that salvation is so much more than that. That it's an abundant life that starts now and it goes on forever in eternity with God. We've been learning that God sent Jesus to actually change our our lives in profound ways so that our life here on earth and our life after earth will never be the same again. Jesus came to bring us wholeness to our lives by getting rid of all the things that might hinder us from walking fully in our redeemed lives. Because anything less than the wholeness that Jesus offers falls far short of Christ's gift of abundant life for us. Thus far, this Advent series, we've learned that Jesus came to bring good news We saw that the angels announced good news to the shepherds and that this good news is really a person, Jesus Christ, who was born in Bethlehem that first Christmas. We learned that Jesus came to bring healing and wholeness. And we saw how he touched the lives of the blind, the deaf, the lame, the leper, the bleeding, the mentally unstable, and how he brought healing to everyone and how that healing set folks on a journey toward wholeness their whole life long. Last week's readings and Pastor Jonathan's sermon over in the fellowship hall taught us that Jesus is the great deliverer, that he came to break the bondage of those things that hold us back from from full freedom And that includes the freedom from sin and death and even the grave. Today we're going to look at the abundant life Jesus came to give us and how we are called to share his gift with other people. And we begin with a passage from Matthew's gospel where we catch a glimpse of the angel's appearance to Joseph in a dream and a glimpse of that Greek word, sozo, that we've been studying each week this Advent series. I'll be reading from chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. 
his mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet he did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. You see, from the angel's very first pronouncement to Joseph, he was told that the child Mary was carrying was to be named Jesus, for he would save his people. He would sozo his people from their sins. Joseph awakened from his sleep. He remembered what had been told to him by the angel, and he was obedient to follow all that had been told to him. Matthew tells us that the birth of Jesus was a fulfillment of prophecy. In other words, sending his only son Jesus had been God's plan all along. Isaiah had talked about it. He had foretold it. He had written about it hundreds of years before Jesus' birth. We find that recorded in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, where it says, the virgin will conceive and bear a son and call him Emmanuel. Sometimes I like to try and think about how Joseph must have felt. <laughs> I'm not sure I can even begin to imagine how Joseph must have had to wrap his mind around the ramifications of everything that the angel had just revealed to him. How at first it might have been hard for him, and he may not have understood how all of this could be, but I know that eventually he must have come to understand what an honor it was to have been chosen to be Jesus' earthly father, and what a responsibility had been laid upon his shoulders by God. Jesus was the long-awaited Messiah who would deliver God's people from sin, and here we have yet another nuance of this word, so-so, that we've been learning about this Advent season. We've already seen how it can mean to, to make well or to heal or to restore to health. We've also seen how it can mean to rescue and to save or even to deliver. But here, the angel is telling Joseph that Jesus is the Messiah who will save. And here the word sozo specifically means to save from the penalties of messianic judgment. You see, belief in Jesus as the Son of God and in his saving work on the cross delivers the believer from the judgment or the pronouncement of a guilty verdict for sin. And in the Greek, 
This word sozo also means to save from those evils which can even obstruct the reception of messianic deliverance. My friends, that's powerful. Last week, if you, if you heard Pastor Jonathan or if you watched it online, if you heard him preach, you heard him tell about some of those things that can prevent us from being delivered. Well, if you've been around Anderson Hills for any length of time this year, you've also heard some of our very own members share their testimonies through video about how they have been delivered from things that have barricaded them, blocked them for a time from receiving the Messiah or the fullness of life that he gives to us. Things like witnessing or experiencing abuse in our lives or addictions of any kind to those sources of self-medication or self-soothing that we allow ourselves to fall trapped to. The the barricades can be those negative self-identities, those lies that have been told to us so often that we've come to believe them instead of believing the truth of God about ourselves. It might be those, those unforgiving attitudes that we carry around with us like so much baggage and wear us down, and on and on. But my friends, Jesus' messianic deliverance even breaks down the walls that can barricade us like those, those walls that can prevent us from fully living a life of complete freedom in Christ. We know that we have an enemy in this world an enemy who wants nothing more than to keep us separated from God in Christ. And we know that since the fall in the Garden of Eden, every human being has been held captive to sin and death. We were all lost in darkness and held captive by sin. But God had a plan called Christmas. God's plan was to send his son, our Savior, into the world Jesus was born to die so that we might be saved. Isaiah prophesied about this as well hundreds of years before Jesus' birth. We can find these words in the messianic passages of Isaiah's prophecy. I want to share with you one of those today, reading from chapter 53, beginning in verse 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions, He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, And he will divide the spoils with the strong because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. One of my 
study Bibles that I was using in preparation for this morning's message talks about this prophecy from Isaiah in this way, and I really liked what it had to say, so I share it. It says, it's as if God was pulling aside the curtain of time to let the people of Isaiah's day look ahead to the suffering of the future Messiah and the resulting forgiveness made available to all of mankind. I love that image. It's as if Isaiah is pulling back the curtain to give us a glimpse of the forgiveness and life made available through Jesus. Isaiah, in this passage, compares the lost children of Israel to wandering sheep, and he says that the Messiah will bring back the lost sheep into the fold. We know that Jesus, the Messiah, is also Jesus, the good shepherd. He is the one to bring the lost sheep back into the fold, and he is the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. And then in the 10th chapter of John Jesus talks about being the good shepherd and the sheep who know and listen to his voice. And then in verses 10, 9 and 10, he says this, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will go out and come in and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I come that they may have life and have it to the full. You see, God did not just send Jesus to bring healing, wholeness, and deliver us from sin's destructive power over us, as if that wouldn't be enough to praise God from now until eternity in and of itself. It would absolutely be. But God also sent Jesus to give us full life and abundant life, both while we live here temporarily on the earth and in the hereafter with God forever. Abundant life is a life where we personally enjoy the inheritance that we've received from Christ when we surrender ourselves to him. And it is a life filled with salvation, peace, joy, eternal life, and all of the blessings that Christ has provided for us. Abundant life is a life that is lived out of gratitude for what Christ has done for us. It doesn't have anything at all to do with material things. And it isn't something that we're even able to do on our own. You see, abundant life is a gift of God's grace. And it is also a life of increase, a life of growth. God doesn't ever want us to become stagnant in our spiritual life. He wants our life to be increasing in its usefulness and its effectiveness for the kingdom. And when we desire a life of growth in Jesus... We will want to grow closer to him, to be more like him each and every day of our life. An abundant life is one marked by obedience to God's word, just like Joseph was obedient to God's word and following the sound of good, the good shepherd's voice. Listen to these words from John chapter 12, beginning in verse 46. Jesus said, I have come into the world as a light that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. If anyone hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge that person, for I did not come to judge the world but to save the world. 
There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. The very words I have spoken will condemn them in that day. For I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. You see, when Jesus came to earth, he came to point us the way to the Father. He came to offer us salvation. He came to offer us life and all its abundance, beginning the moment we accept him as Lord and begin to follow him. Jesus is the light of the world, and he came to be the light so that no one would ever have to live in darkness again. Now, one day we will be judged for the choice that we made when we heard this good news. Did we hear it and accept it, believe it, and follow? Or did we turn away? Did we ignore it? Did we do our own thing? Jesus did come to give us an abundant and eternal life, but we have to accept it. We have to accept him as Lord of our life. St. Irenaeus was a bishop who lived way back in the second century. He was originally from the city of Smyrna, which is found in today's country of Turkey. But he traveled around a lot, and he was absolutely instrumental in spreading Christianity to the part of Europe, which is now today southern France. He became the bishop of the city of Lyon. Now, he is well known for battling heresies against the faith in those early years and for establishing many doctrines which have become orthodox beliefs of Christianity. But one of his most famous sayings is, the glory of God is man fully alive. The glory of God is man fully alive. My wife Marge and our daughter Sarah and I are working through a devotional book recently called, uh, by John Eldridge called Restoration Year. And a few weeks ago, he had this to write in one of the devotionals about this very saying of St. Irenaeus. He says, when I first stumbled across this quote, my initial reaction was, you're kidding me. Really? Is that what you've been told? That the purpose of God the very thing he staked his reputation on is your coming fully alive? And then it made me wonder, what are God's intentions toward me? Yes, we've been told any number of times that we matter to God, and there are some pretty glowing promises given in Scripture along those lines. But on the other hand, the days of our lives have a way of casting a rather long shadow over our hearts. I read the quote again, the glory of God is man fully alive. And something began to stir in me. Could it be? So I turned to the New Testament to read what Jesus said he offers. And I found where he says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full, John 10, 10. Now that's very different than saying, I have come to forgive you, period. 
I mean, forgiveness is awesome, but Jesus says he came to give us life. And the more I looked, the more this whole theme of life just seemed to jump off the pages of Scripture. I mean, it's everywhere. End quote. One of the places we see it, this theme of life, is in the creation Christmas story in the first chapter of John's gospel. Verse 4 says, In him, in Jesus, was life, and that life was the light of mankind. Yes, the pre-existing word of God was the light of mankind. This word that became flesh and dwelt among us is the light of the world that shines in the darkness and has come that our life would be recreated, a full life, an abundant life, a glorious life, new life, made new life. This renewal of life is found throughout the scriptures, just like John Eldridge said. And this is how the Apostle Paul writes about it in 2 Corinthians 5, beginning in verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The abundant life, the new creation life is a light, a life that shines like a light in the darkness of the world. We are recreated in Christ who is the light and therefore we are also light that shines. And think about it, life is outward, isn't it? It's always directed going outward. It never turns in on itself. Just like the sun's rays that travel 93 million miles from the surface of the sun to light and warm our planet Earth. Our light is to travel outward, illuminating darkened lives and warming hearts that have become cold I like the Advent hymn, I want to walk as a child of the light. The lyrics go like this. I want to walk as a child of the light. I want to follow Jesus. God set the stars to give light to the world. The star of my life is Jesus. Verse two. I want to see the brightness of God. I want to look at Jesus. Clear sun of righteousness, shine on my path and show me the way to the Father. Verse 3. I'm looking for the coming of Christ. 
I want to be with Jesus. When we have run with patience the race, we shall know the joy of Jesus. The refrain, in him there is no darkness at all. The night and the day are both alike. The Lamb is the light of the city of God. Shine in my heart, Lord Jesus. Our lives are meant to be shining examples of Jesus so that other people will see him in us and want to follow him too. An abundant life is a life through which people can find the way to God and be delivered from the darkness in their own life. My friends, when we live in the light of the gospel, we'll experience freedom from the grip of sin and we'll know the joy of pursuing holiness. We'll be able to revel in God's full acceptance of us just as he created us to be. And we can live in his grace in our lives as a present reality each and every day. Finding life, abundant life, a saved life, a whole life, a healed life, a sozoed life will cause us to carry the true fullness of the gospel of God's good news to a world that is in desperate need all around us. And we'll, it will make of us ambassadors of heaven right here on earth, sharing abundant life and light, the light of Jesus Christ with everyone we meet. This Christmas, may it be so, and always. Would you pray with me? <clears throat> holy Lord God, we thank you and praise your holy name for your goodness, your grace, and your mercy. We thank you for the gift of Jesus who came to heal, to restore, to deliver, to set free, to break barriers, to deliver us from the messianic judgment. Oh God, your gift in him is so profound. It is so much more than we can ever comprehend fully. And yet we know enough to know that what you've done in Jesus is amazing. It changes our lives forever. And it gives us abundant life. God, help us to accept the life, the abundant life that you give and the light that you offer to illuminate the darkness. And then send us out into the world, Lord, to share it with others so that all might come to know your saving grace, the grace of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray in his name. Amen.